Who threw me under the bus? Not me. What? I've got tire tracks on the back of my neck. I put it there. Don't tell Rick to kill us. This is Big Green. Oh. I thought so. I guess it's time to change the channel. Yeah. Is this thing on? Welcome to This is Big Green. The February edition. Our second February, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, good to be back. I think it's good to be back. We got Matt here. Yeah, sure. We also have H.R. Haldeman on this month's show. Another special guest. Out of jail or out of day. (laughs) Colonel Tom Coburn. I believe he's a senator now. I think he's been promoted. Sweet Ganymede. Yes, Sweet Ganymede. And of course, John Holton will be with us. And Duke Gingrich, John. The erstwhile speak of the house. Sam Fester. Extra special guest. Stay tuned. Yeah. Hi, this is Lee Majors. Last week on Mr. Ned Trek, some incredible things happened to the free enterprise. It was touch and go for a while. And there were probably some pretty close scrapes with death, but the crew managed to pull through it in the end. And nobody died in the icy cold of space. At least nobody important. I didn't actually watch it, can you tell? But neither did that hack that wrote this intro. At least I had an excuse. I was busy with my own show. I was fighting the Venus probe, even though I thought it was destroyed. Blown to bits 35 years ago. So anyway, here's Captain Romney, Mr. Ned, and the rest of them back again this week with an amazing new adventure. Stay tuned. It's wild, Steve. It's wild! Space. The ultimate marketplace. These are the voyages of the starship Free Enterprise. Its mission of undetermined length. Until we're canceled, I guess. To seek out strange new commodities. Exploitable alien workforces. To brazenly amass the largest profits that any corporation has before. So, Doc, this is the first time you found your way up to the bridge. I hope this doesn't mean that it's time for inoculations or something. <laughs> I didn't think that we believed in that kind of stuff anyhow. Well, I see, I see. I don't much cotton to those things neither. When a body is sick, you just cut a bit of a hole in them and let out the bad. Or you prostrate yourself and pray the Lord Jesus, who is brought to you this week by the tobacco industry. Fortunately, not so vilified like it once was. 
Indeed, that was just so unjust. Yeah, I don't go in for those prostrate exams anymore either. The last thing we want down there is to be infiltrated by Bill Ayers or some other radical weather forecaster. Also, we wouldn't want the evil Obamulans stealing our seed and inseminating soulless monkeys and trolls. Captain, Starfleet's command has ordered that we stop by a certain zoological outpost on the way to our next assignment. Apparently, we need to pick up a parcel of some kind. It's probably a bribe. That isn't the zoological planet that Professor Newt Gingrich runs, is it? You're an animal, Mr. Ned. What is the name of that zoo planet? That would be the planet Frutunius. And yes, that's where Gingrich set up shop. Approximately two solar years ago. Ganymede, sweet Ganymede. In the vastness of outer space... There is but one sweet Ganymede. Ganymede? What's the doc talking about? The sole Frutunian moon is called Hobelstein. Ganymede is the name of one of the Jovian moons, back in Earth's own solar system. I say Ganymede is also the name of a sweet and lovely lady, and one to which I've been acquainted with back on our own glorious deep blue homeworld. (laughs) <laughs> this is getting a little embarrassing, Doc. Are you saying that you have known a certain moon in a biblical sense? I can't believe this galloping coincidence, Captain, sir. May I please be a part of the party that goes on shore on the planet Frutunius? <laughs> sure, Doc. But then you're going to have to go to Hades for thoughts that are probably less than completely pure, that is, regarding another man's moon. You know, it's a good thing that I've learned not to take these comments too personally. After all, you have to expect a Cochlonian sewer bear to regurgitate slime pellets at regular intervals. That's right, Mr. Zulu. Never think that they're all out to get you. There's nothing to be gained by that kind of paranoia. After all, I'm pretty sure that they're all busy trying to get me. Remember, some may hate you, but they don't win unless they make you hate them. And then you assemble a group of thugs to collect some incriminating evidence on them. And then you leave the tape recorder running while you're making the plans. And then while the whole world is watching, you use a crowbar to deactivate yourself on national television. Um, thanks, Mr. Dixon, for the, um, inspirational tale. Captain, we're approaching the Frutunius system. Hopefully old Newt isn't harboring a grudge against me. Our campaign let him have it with both barrels. But then again, it was self-defense, and we could afford a freighter full of self-defense. Well, after referring to you as a vulture capitalist, he did endorse you, however begrudgingly. (laughs) I was just flattered that he noticed. Well, now Newt is living his dream. (laughs) He's running his own animal planet. Surely a supply-side zoologist's dream. Yeah, the Confederation gave him an amazing opportunity. A whole planet literally bristling with wildlife of all kinds. Can you imagine being the first fur trading company to begin harvesting that pristine place? The rendering plants and Confederate hot dog manufacturers also hit bio-pay dirt when they landed there. And Newt's like a conservative version of Diane Fossey, except he's working with the poachers and even selling some of his books to them. That's right, Mr. Ned. You took a course from Newt when he was a professor. Now, what exactly is he a professor of? I don't know that. 
He taught criminology for American history for megalomaniacs. Something like that. Newt is a professor of intergalactic hysterical ecology. Or is it hysterical environmental intergalactivity? Sounds like you need to have a degree in order to enunciate his shingle. <laughs> He's a college man, and in my experience, that means trouble. You see, college men get expensive ideas. They think they know stuff that you, the regular man and member of the silent majority, don't know. Of course, the subtle truth of the matter is that you know more than a lot of them combined. That is, if the you we are referring to is me. Did Newt get to bring his wives to Fruitonia's, or is he having to play the field down there? I imagine him coming home with progressively more simian-appearing mammalian types every day. Ultimately, I think that he'd find a few that could make him happy. <laughs> no, Mr. Pearl, I believe that he did bring Callista. And Europa. And Ganymede. What, are all his wives named after moons? Yes, Mr. Moon, I mean Mr. Ned. You know, he's a big man, after all. He needs some big ladies. And you know how taken he is with Earth's moon, uh, with, and with moons in general. Okay, so did he take this assignment just so he could keep his multiple lunar wives? Sometimes it is necessary for a true patriot to abandon his beloved country in favor of a foreign haven where he can practice his degenerate hobby of wife collecting. Well, I never understood the allure of having plural wives, moon-sized or otherwise. I mean, aren't they all just telling you to tell the servants to take out the trash and to leave the toilet seat down? And how do you afford to send 40 continent-sized children to the best private schools? Wouldn't you have to be rolling in a... I mean, rotating in dough? <laughs> Don't you think you guys are being a bit sexist in your stereotypical characterizations of women? Don't be ridiculous, Lieutenant. The primitive notion of sexism has been done away with, and that was way back in the 21st century, when the last of the feminists died in the arena. That was on the Roman channel. <laughs> I remember that well. By the time they finished, all that was left in my binder full of women were assorted fembots and Phyllis Schlafly. Arr, I'm proud to say that it were me own flesh and blood, Mr. Rupert Murdoch I, that liberated all womankind by allowing them to regularly expose themselves in page three of his tabloids. And of course, when he couldn't hire Klaus Barbie for his news channel, he hired him the next best thing, a gaggle of Barbie dolls that could deliver Nazi news with a smile and a wink. Surely they were the givers of pain and delight. Arr. I mean, how fair are we supposed to be? A few women were even honored with the title of honorary man. Some even come to mind. Margaret Thatcher, Anne Rand, and Mara. That was the woman who experimented with the colonists on whatever planet it is that she did that on. But it was great. Captain, we've begun final approach to Frutudius. Should I enter into a standard orbit? Sure, make it 20,000 degrees perigee. Whatever the heck that means. Mr. Ned, see if you can raise the professor. Hopefully he's not out in the field studying one of his animal specimens. <laughs> Those varmints of his. Hi, sir. You know, back in college, instead of focusing on dry dates and facts, Newt taught history in terms of his own selfish motivations and jingoistic patriotism. We all found his approach innovative and very refreshing, primarily because we didn't have to hand in any assignments or do any work. I can't write anyway. Just look at these hooves. We just all had to listen to him drone on and on 
and buy a few of his books. It was quite a course. Ultimately, we got a lot of drinking done. Well, I for one am looking forward to seeing him again. Captain Willard, I have the professor on the line now. Pipe it down here, Mr. Ned. Hi, sir. Professor Gingrich, this is Captain Willard Metilius Romney of the Confederate Starship Free Enterprise. We've come to make a courtesy call on you, pick up a bribe, and perhaps sell you some fraudulent stock options. Is there any chance we could beam down for a chinwag? It has been a long time. Captain Romney, I must say, sir, we were not expecting to see you so soon. We were just passing by this system on our way to pick up a few hundred green Orion slave dudes. That's not to say that we believe in the interstellar slave trade. No, we're just doing it for the money. (laughs) And also, most of them don't survive the journey, so their suffering is very short-lived. We are gratified that the Confederation feels the need to check the status of entrepreneurs like me that have so bravely colonized this last great frontier and unleashed bold solutions and exciting new ideas. I have succeeded in fundamentally challenging the long-accepted fallacy that only strict environmental regulations can ensure a healthy environment and a rich planetary fauna. I have conclusively proved that the marketplace is hands down the best steward of ecosystems. Wow, this is great stuff. It's like we've been chosen as a focus group to test a new Newt Gingrich infomercial. Still, Newt, you know, your new ideas have been in practice now for 200 years. I'm afraid you've been isolated out here a little bit too long. (laughs) Professor, we still request permission to beam down in order to snoop around a bit. We really have no need for visits from starships. We desire only solitude and the ability to proactively come up with market-based solutions to the fundamental problems facing freedom-loving societies. Also, I now value more than anything my ability to go about my work with animals, which is also of fundamental importance. I insist that I not be bothered by anyone, be they Confederate or be they Abomulan. I understand completely, Professor. I mean, there's nothing I like better than to study a small vermin, possibly on top of a designer cracker. But we are obligated by regulations to check in on and to regularly shake down all of our frontier outposts at least once a year. I'm sure that you understand that we need to certify that you haven't set up any entitlement programs for indigent space opossums or something like that. So why don't you prepare to receive our ship's doctor, Mr. Ned, and myself for a nice cordial little visit. I imagine the good doctor will take this opportunity to inject my staff with some kind of atheistic witch's concoction. I won't stand for it. Do understand that if you come down here, you'll need to be protected from the ravenous beasts of Fruitonius, which lay claim to the windswept hell prairies at night. I say, I say heaven forbid, Professor. We might just want to nail an old rooster upside your fancy hut whilst you swing a sack of polecats and mustard seed round over your head at midnight. That's a cure for whatever is ailing you. That and plenty of prayer. Mustard, yes. We definitely positively need mustard down here, but not in seed form. The yellow American ballpark kind, and not the brown French effete kind. Yes, and we need a few barrels of it right away. Well, I think that might be just the third strangest request I've gotten all day, but okay. We'll bring you your mustard barrels. So if you don't have another long list of objections, we'll be down there in a quick jiffy. Okay then, but don't expect me to be nice Newt. The one that sits pleasantly on couches with Nancy Pelosi or issues joint statements with L. Sharpton. I'm the badass motherfucker newt, who freely uses racist dog whistles to scramble on top of the heap of Confederate losers. 
You know, I really miss that guy. Gentlemen, Mr. Ned, Doc Coburn, Security Chief Bolton, please come with me to the transporter room. Mr. Pearl, you're in command up here. We'll be back by supper time. Aye, aye, sir. Don't worry about things up here. I've been waiting my whole life for this chance, and I won't let you down. Just try to keep Captain Murdoch away from the controls. That's all you really have to do, sport. The rest is automated. Consider the pirate to be disabled, Captain. Arr, it's not as if I have a wooden leg or something. It's made of solid tin, and it came from a real legitimate space admiral. He apparently got drunk as a Tartablian ear cricket one night and fell into the acid falls of Ursa Major. All that was left to him was this gleaming tin leg, which I now wear with fond remembrance and pride. Arr. See, I see. This is a right fair place in terms of temperature, Captain. Nice meadow here, with a slight warm breeze and smell of lilac. Just like back home. I wouldn't mind setting up in a place like this someday, once His Majesty's service is done with me. We're downwind of a rendering plant, and these yellow salt flats look like a bombing range. I think you may have been away from the plantation a little too long, Doc. So, Willard, where exactly are all the animals? I thought this was supposed to be a zoological planet. Mr. Ned, the planet Lutunius is the finest zoological planet in the Confederation. A real showcase for how nature can exist side by side with unregulated heavy industry and with unlimited wild game harvesting. Hehehe. <laughs> Can't you just imagine Luminescent Wildebeest and the Space Lion coming together at the waterhole at night? Think of the massive herds of Zontorian Impala thundering off into the horizon, putting up clouds of yellow prairie dust that stain the Lutunian sunset a pleasing flesh color, meaning tan. And Jumbo, hand me my biggest ferment gun. That's Security Chief Bolton. He's not your native Zontarian gun bearer. Either there's something in this planet's atmosphere causing hallucinations, or I just beam down with a crew of demented screwballs. I see, I see. Speaking as a certified medical man, the two things are not mutually exclusive. Then, why don't you put your tricarder to use and see if we can locate Professor Gingrich's compound? Just as I thought, I'm not reading any animal life at all within the entire scanning range. Some zoo planet this is. I think that nowadays most visitors just come here to collect shells. That is, empty bullet shells. No, wait a minute. I'm reading the compound now. There seems to be some life signs there, but not many. And one of the readings is strange. It's almost as if it's in a state of molecular flux. I see they're probably all excited on account of our visitation to them. Let's accelerate our gait and whittle down the time it takes to get there. What state were you senator from again? I think I see Newt's compound. It looks like the kind of tree hut that Tarzan the Ape-Man will live in. 
those zoologists. Willard, that's just a tree with a board nailed to it. The professor's place is right over there. It's apparently a cave. The one type of abode that is both easy on our show's budget and completely appropriate for a conservative of Mr. Gingrich's ilk. So what is the form here? Do you knock on a cave door or do you scream some kind of special caveman word into the entrance? Something like Akita or Cronkite or perhaps some kind of combination of those two utterances. I see, I see. Let me try some cave-appropriate speechify it. Here goes something. <clears throat> Segregation now. Segregation tomorrow. Segregation forever. Now, Doctor, are we just supposed to wait to see if your racist incantation works? <laughs> you know, my father marched with Dr. King. Yes, I remember it well. Almost as if it really happened. Let's go inside and see if we can find anyone. Wow, what a well-appointed cave. It's not just torches and animal skins like you'd expect. There's lots of other stuff, too. Look at that, there's a cave painting of Margaret Thatcher. And a bust of Strom Thurmond. Or is that perhaps the mummified remains of the man himself? I'm very impressed by this cave floor. It's as level as all the rest of the floors in this here studio. Just don't hit your head on any of the plastic stalactites. They might break. And this cave set is needed for at least 20 more episodes of this show. Well, I do declare, we have company. Good evening, Mame. I'm Captain Willard Mitilius Romney. We're from the Confederate Spaceship Free Enterprise. I'm so glad that you're here. My husband, Professor Gingrich, just told me that some god-awful bastards were on the way here now. Perhaps you can offer us some protection from those savage invading young alliance. Miss Ganymede, ma'am, it's a pleasure and an honor to see you again. The whole time I was fighting for the galactic confederate cause, it was your own image that was clear as crystal in my everlasting mind. I'm sorry, but have we met before? This is our ship surgeon and keeper of one of the one true faiths, Dr. Thomas Ashley Beauregard Coburn. Well, I see, I see. This is nothing less than a miraculous event. You look as young and pretty as you did 20 years ago. Just like a sort of short, red-headed version of Stonewall Jackson. But female, of course. Stunning is the word. Prune? Is that you? Why, your face is so puckered and distorted now. I hardly recognized you. Well, I see, I see. I do have a nautical beard now, and a this here pipe, in which I only puff on earth-style tobacco. It's hard to believe that you're the same man who imposed his unwanted attentions on me at a party for God-fearing interns at the Oklahoma State House. Well, I'm so gratified that you remembered me. <laughs> it's almost as if we're all seeing a different Mrs. Gingrich, which couldn't conceivably be possible. To me, she's the image of Brigham Young's 11th wife, Matilda Bean Zarney. She, too, is 7 feet tall and only 15 years old. She was an orange plastic clone. Even so, she didn't stand out in that crowd of smarmy pioneers. According to the holy text, her people hailed from another galaxy and was one of the really, really lost tribes of Israel. Many of us Mormon plastiforms can trace our lineage right back to her, 
Indeed, the Romneys, the Asmonds, the Stepfords, and the Clemenbloons. I always wondered about those Clemenbloons. Excuse me, ma'am, but to me you look just like a little filly that I acted with in a double mint gum commercial about 35 years ago. On second thought, you look just like two of those little fillies. This is amazing. I see, I see, Mr. Ned, sir. Honor dictates that we go outside of this cave here right now and settle this manor like a southern gentleman and a horse. I'm not horse. You've got the wrong show again. <laughs> Doc, if you wait until we get back to the landing site, you can put Mr. Ned down with the humane killer that I always bring with me. Or you can wait until we get back to the ship, and you can use an assault weapon, which is less humane, but it would work just as well. You know what? I think I'm going to go outside and look for Professor Gingrich. I'll leave you guys here to continue running in concentric circles around this episode's plot. Well, that's such a good idea, Mr. Horst, sir. I just know that my nude is out there somewhere, probably crawling around on his belly, looking for some interesting mollusks, or groping around in the muck to find some new ideas to consolidate the right wing of the right wing of his party. I see, I see. Her voice just floats on the air and makes my ears pregnant in the most gentle repose. Huh, sure. Listen, since the whole reason we came here was to get the Confederations cut from the Professor Zoo scheme park, I suggest that we all split up and try to find the man himself. Excellent idea, First Officer Ned. Let's all go off in different directions. Security Chief Bolton, you and Mrs. Gingrich take the rickety footbridge on the foggy mountain path and check around that abandoned Oscar Mayer rendering plant. <laughs> Be sure to keep a watch out for ravenous carnivores and for really big nearsighted herbivores. No! Professor Gingrich! I see, I see, Newt. Oh boy! Where are you, sir? Professor! Where are you, Professor? It is me, Mitt Romney. Oh, don't tell him that, Willard. Do you want him to come out or not? Well, this is probably a good place to cut the scene anyway. Oh, Jesus. Lord of the Universe Log, Stardate Oh, Just look it up yourself. Fleet Admiral and Galactic Lord Supreme Richard Pearl reporting. Henceforth I shall do away with all such log entries. They're for menials and unworthy of my divine attention. Since the inspired hour of my ascension, I have cast off all the trappings of this mortal sphere and have begun a new stage in human evolution. Pure thought and even purer power are finally mine, yes, mine! From now on I will now refer to myself as we... Indeed, I am part of a collective, but not in the dirty communist sense, more in the ethereal corporate boardroom sense. That is, I keep growing stronger, and soon I will be a vast, nebulous intellect, existing in a realm beyond time and space, but not beyond cash. So do keep my space service salary coming. Um, Mr. Pearl, you know, just because the captain left you in temporary command of the ship doesn't mean that you can neglect your regular duties. I mean, you still have to man the science station. 
and you probably should stop playing with the log recorder like that. Last time you did that, you broke it and had to flush it down the bridge toilet to get rid of the evidence. That wasn't very officer-like behavior. Gee, Mr. Sulu, way to bring me crashing back to the sphere. I hope that someone goes up to your cabin and destroys something that you really love, like your sword collection or your gun collection or your plant collection or whatever collection that you love most this week. The captain wants you to scan the planet for life signs. He's trying to locate Professor Gingrich, so far with no luck. You should be able to find him easily enough. I mean, he probably puts out a really big reading. I'll try scanning for toxic gas. But hey, did they ever think of just offering him an exorbitant speaker's fee, or how about just setting up a television camera and just wait for him to trundle in? He could never resist that. Just do the scan. Okay, okay, but then I, I get to have a few prisoners executed, right? I can do that as acting captain, right? Captain's log, stardate 31578.2. Or wait, that might be one of my Swiss bank account numbers. <laughs> no, I don't think that would have a point two in it. <laughs> this is Captain Romney reporting. My officers and I have been searching the vicinity of Professor Gingrich's compound for several Earth time periods known as ours, and we still haven't seen any sign of the professor. It's going to get dark soon, and we've been prodded by this episode's director to get the plot moving. <laughs> it's just crawling around at a snail's pace. What it needs now is a bit of adrenaline rush. Yeah, something like that. Hey, that sounds like a seven-foot-tall plastic woman screaming. No, it's a winnie of a horse in trouble. I see, I see. That has to be my precious Ganymede, falling on tragic times. Let's walk as briskly as possible in the direction of the screen. <coughs> do declare that poor man that poor man you just calm yourself down all over little miss ganymede the bad bad walrus man is down for the duration like a regular lemon with its husk shucked off just what kind of unspeakable thing did he try upon your most precious person mr bolton's all dead captain willard but just look at his strange smug look and look at that gigantic hairy tussock worm nesting across his face. Oh yeah, he usually has those features. Why, there also appears to be some weird blue modeling on his face. I reckon I've never seen the like of that before. Mrs. Gingrich, I know you're upset. Well, who wouldn't be? But I have to know what happened here and why my man is down. Is there anything in particular that you can point our wandering attention to? I see, I see. Just take your time, sweet Ganymede. Just tell your fellow white Anglo-Saxons what transpired here. Was it a colored man that did this? Be assured, we'll believe you, and so would any jury that we'd take care to assemble. Well, the two of us were walking up the path together. I was telling him how I wasn't offended by his propensity to want to go to war with any country that he thinks about for more than two minutes. And then I was distracted by a purple pansy flower on the path. And when I looked back at your officer, he put a chunk of a condemned wiener in his mouth. 
true. The old Oscar Mayer rendering plant apparently dumped reject hot dogs out the back door for a decade or so. And you know how Lieutenant Bolton couldn't resist anything with pork rectums in it. <laughs> but could a condemned wiener be responsible for that mustache? Or, I mean, for the blue mottling on his face? Well, I see, I see. It could be the case. The world of medicine is a strange and awesome place. And the good Lord doesn't often allow us more than a peek through the door in its wonderful complexities. I recommend that we pray for an answer and for his guidance. So, Doc, where exactly did you get your medical degree? Horrell Roberts University? We best get this poor man here back to the ship. There we have some instruments that'll go a whirring and a blinking, and before long we'll know what killed him. <laughs> yes, we should beam him back home. Although we could talk to the Oscar Mayer people, perhaps his carcass could help get this company moving again. Yes, I think he would have wanted it that way. Captain, Bane Galactic outsourced the wiener plant to the Gerbalonian system, where currently there are still plenty of gerbil rectums to spare. And Willard, don't you think that we need to determine what happened to this man in order to properly assess the threat to the free enterprise and its crew? We've come to a pretty pass where the captain's horse has to remind him of his duty. Well, I see, I see. Old General Lee's horse, Whitey Mamako, Whitey Mamako, came in right handy when it came to urging him along at crucial junctures back during the War of Northern Aggression. Very well, gentlemen. I'll listen to the horse. Romney to Free Enterprise, prepare to beam up the landing party. Queen to Queen's Level 3, Captain. This is no time for homosexual parlor games, Mr. Pearl. <laughs> You're embarrassing us all. It's a three-dimensional chess move, Willard. Its countersign is sometimes used as a secret password so that would-be captain impersonators wouldn't be able to take over the ship, which can sometimes be a chronic problem affecting several episodes a month. Since we instituted this security protocol, today, in fact, there's only been one instance of the ship being commandeered. And by some happy coincidence, that was by me. Couldn't we use a checkers move instead as a countersign? I mean, chess isn't an appropriate game for righteous officers of a godly space service. After all, there are queens involved, and the bishops move diagonally. Where I come from, the bishops are as straight as arrows, and the queens are bona fide royalty that have been anointed by God, and there are only four in every deck. Captain, I gave you the sign. Now you're supposed to give me the countersign, or else we can't beam you up. This is security protocol, sir, as instituted by the lawful acting captain. Well, that sounds legal to me. <laughs> I guess that we're stuck here. I see, I see. Now you all listen here, Mr. Pearl. There's a man lying here all dead, and there taint be no way to figure out what done the killing of him. Why don't you scan him with your medical tricorder, Doctor? You should be able to determine his cause of death right here, right now. I see, I see. There was a time when I could have horsewhipped you for saying that, making me look a fool in front of a woman. Well, I'll be a traveling minstrel with a banjo-picking choir. This man doesn't have a drop of mustard in his entire body. <laughs> so, Doc, are you saying that this is unusual? 
I say, I say, everybody, and I do mean everybody, has a certain amount of mustard in their body. Without it, they couldn't survive. There's also a fair bit of ketchup in there, and a dollop of mayonnaise. But the mustard is absolutely essential for life. I myself has got a fair bit of peckered piccalilli in my own humble bloodstream. That makes me a universal donor. But my blood type is a rare one. And now for some more about me. Doc, could the condemned wiener somehow be responsible for sucking the mustard out of him? Well, I say it certainly sounds plausible. I say if the wiener thought that it was heading for a ballpark, it may have instinctually tried to cover itself with all available condiments. And our Lieutenant Bolton simply got in the way. Of course we know that the Oscar Mayer plant was using all the animals on Frutunius to fill its plastic wiener skins. Since there are no Confederate regulations governing health and safety of the food supply, the company got away with using highly radioactive elements to give the wieners a perpetual shelf life. Other free market innovations served to endow the hot dogs with free will, and that eventually enabled them to seek out their own mustard supplies. That is just so much more than I ever wanted to know. Hey, wait a minute. Captain, I see, I see. My Ganymede is gone. How could I lose her again? It's so unfair. <laughs> now, Doc, technically she was another man's wife. Or I guess more like one of another man's many moon wives. She could in no way be considered yours. That is, unless you were to send her husband out to do some intrepid missionary work, and while he was away, you yourself saw fit to make the church bells ring. Well, now that would be a horse of a different color. Could you keep horses out of it? It is strange that she just disappeared, unless she left during one of your speeches. Then it would be completely understandable. Jeepers! Get under cover! Do I? I don't want you here anymore. Leave us alone! Just beam down my mustard provisions and scram! Men, take out your weapons and prepare to disable the gunman. But we want him alive, so perhaps aim just above his head and try to dislodge a medium-sized field stump. The idea is to make it topple down on top of his head and knock him unconscious. <laughs> it's a shame that the Confederation scientists never came up with a stun setting for these hand phasers. I see, I see. We never had call for such a thing in the past. No prisoners means no need for an expensive sham trial. Well, the last thing we want is to turn Ganymede Gingrich into one of a gaggle of Newt's widows. I see, I see. That'd be a pure shame. Let me try to finesse this one, Captain, sir. As a redneck country doctor, I'm well versed in the art of our aiming and our shooting. Okay, Doc. See what you can do. Nice shooting, Doc. You just disintegrated Newt, along with about 30 square feet of the Oscar Mayer plant. What did you have that thing set for, huh, Master Don? I see, I see. I'm plumb sorry for that miscalculation, Captain, sir. Don't worry about it, Doc. We're not about to hold you accountable for professional misconduct, egregious errors in judgment, or extreme negligence. <laughs> We're just going to look forward to the next disastrous blunder. It's such a tragic waste. Losing Professor Gingrich. I mean, with his carcass, the wiener factory could have been up and running for at least a few weeks. 
I may have been tempted to invest some other people's money in the operation. I see, I see, Captain. After an appropriate amount of time passes, maybe even a couple of days, do you think that you can wed me to my own true love, my ever-sweet Ganymede? Well, I don't see why not. As a captain, I have the ability to perform wedding ceremonies, and as an Orthodox Mormon bishop, I can marry you as many times as you like, to as many different moon ladies as you please, but just do make sure that they are certified ladies first. Hot dog! There's gonna be a wedding! I'm afraid that I cannot allow you to marry a hot dog, particularly one that may have killed an officer. Um, sir, I just took over command from Acting Captain Pearl. Hey, that's Lord Admiral, or at least Fleet Captain Pearl. If you want to beam up now, I think we could manage it. Captain, look! It's Mr. Bolton! He's alive again! I see, I see, oh no! His face is being strangled by a mutton hound! I better shoot! Hey, there's something wrong with my gun! I replaced it with a peach branch. It's time that someone took responsibility around here. You'll get your phaser back at the end of the season. Hopefully that's well after I get my own spin-off show. So, Mr. Bolton, it would appear that you're alive again. <laughs> In so many ways, you are like the warrior Jesus. I feel fine, sir. Just a bit hungry, I guess. Can we go back to the ship now, sir? He has the same amount of reverb on his voice that Ganymede Gingrich had on hers. I wonder what's up with that. Mr. Sulu, forward a beam up. I say, I say, we can leave, Captain. But we must be ever vigilant in the search for my sweet Ganymede. And we should arrange to transport down a more expendable search party. Captain's log supplemental. We're all happily back on the ship now. Strangely enough, crewmen have been turning up dead all over the ship since we returned. Symptoms include a lack of an animated expression, the inability to walk around, or even to move at all, and the presence of a strange blue muttling on their faces. Oh yes, the doctor confirmed that each of these bodies were devoid of all traces of mustard. According to the doctor, we all need a certain amount of mustard in our system to survive. And not the brown French kind... Now, only the land of the free, home of the brave, steadfast yellow kind. Do I know you, crewman? I don't think so, sir. But I have the feeling that you're just a little blue. Maybe you could use a little blue train to cheer you up some. Hey, <laughs> you look a lot like John Coltrane. You do know that this is my private laboratory, don't you? I hopefully refer to it as my ready room. Kazak Yagazuzi Fermi, Karabob Regal. Kranka, Copacabana, Leclutemeyer. Wow, you speak Kellum, the holy tongue of the Mormon mother world. Can all saxophone players manage that, or are you just a special case? Hey, all of a sudden I can't move a muscle, and Mr. John Coltrane is getting closer and closer to my face. This could end up yet another ignominious end for Mitt Romney, and the second one in less than four months. Well, at least I felt the throne for a little while. <laughs> are you going to be in there all day? You do know that this is the only bathroom on this deck. Hey, you're hiding away in here with Black Beauty. My favorite late movie star horse. Okay, Willard, what exactly are your intentions towards this horse? She's a little old for you, isn't she? 
Oh, there you all are. I was just about to jettison a few bad batteries. But if you're up to something in here, don't let me intrude. To each his own, as I always say. I'll probably just make a note of this behavior to be used later for blackmail purposes. Oh, yes. Did I say that loud enough for the microphones? Good morning, sir. Haldeman, it's good to see you again. How long are you in for? I mean, how long are you on board for? For an indeterminate period, sir. We should go back to my oval quarters and conspire about old times. We'll talk about Henry Kissinger behind his back for a while. I think that would cheer both of us up. I'll turn on a few recorders. We can have a few drinks. Heavens to Betsy! I just figured out what's going on here, Captain. That thing is some kind of evil mustard vampire. It's able to instantaneously change its molecular shape, depending on who it's focusing on at any one time. Once it zeroes in on a victim, it's able to put them into some kind of trance, which immobilizes them long enough for it to suck the mustard out of their corpuscles. That's not H.R. Haldeman, Mr. Nixon, sir. You better step back while you still can. Oh, so it's John Ehrlichman. I can never get those two top aides straight. I think it's because they both had man in their names. No, it's not Ehrlichman either. It's a creature from the planet Frutunius, the last living remnant of that planet's once vast zoological heritage. It's also the very embodiment of an entire planetary ecosystem's thirst for revenge. Revenge against the Confederation for Professor Newt's ultra-Randian policies. You mean that because we exploited every square inch of its homeworld, it thinks that we have mustard on our hands? I mean, blood on our hands? It's the last of its kind, Willard, like the glowing relish porpoises of Magnus Four or the paprika stench buzzards of Tataluna Three. And don't forget the pernicious corn slugs of Septic Tank Two. Oh yeah, but I thought I saw some of those the other day. Don't believe that crazy talk, sir. They're nothing but a group of dirty hippies and negroes, and a few of them are queer liberal Japs and linings. And they even have a Jew on the bridge. You're not going to let them break us up again now that we've found each other, are you, Mr. Nixon, sir? What you say makes good sense, and it makes me realize how I've missed your counsel over these many years. Well, I see, I see. This does seem to be where the action is on this ship. Are you having a game of craps in here, y'all? Can anybody join in? Actually, we don't allow craps in this laboratory. That's why it's usually reserved for me and for number one. I see. My own sweet Ganymede. Why didn't anybody tell me that they found you? I was worried to death with you lost on that godforsaken world down there. Oh. Ouch. 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 Let me make this perfectly clear. Ouch. Doc, that's Ouch. not your sweet Ganymede. No, it's the alien creature that's been killing our crew. And it's killing Nixon right now. It's trying to suck the mustard out of him. I see, I say. That's Ganymede, all right. She never was partial to Mr. Nixon. He was way too liberal for us Southern conservatives. If she were Nixon, could she take this? Well, I see so. That is one beauteous bouquet. It was just a thought. Use your phaser. Shoot her before she kills Nixon. She'll kill you next. 
She needs mustard to survive. She needs your mustard, not you. I'm shoot Ganymede? Only if she proves unfaithful to me. But she was married to another man. And I think you could say that she's being particularly familiar with President Nixon right now. Can you guys keep it down in here? I was just playing back the log entries I made when I was acting captain. Some extremely inspired stuff in there. I thought I might submit it to Starfleet's command and see if maybe they have some trophies or medals that they can give me. Hey, what's that strange woman doing in Nixon's valleys? I see, I see. Oh, God, forgive me this in advance. Because I can't count it. It's a second of doubt from you, oh, Lord. I see, I see. This gun feels so good in my hand. Its trigger is soft and easy to pull. Perfect for putting down the woman that wronged me on this day. She's not a woman, Doc. You just said the exact wrong thing to me, boy. And you said it, and I heard it. Goodness gracious. I'm glad that's over. Mr. Ned, what do our mustard reserves look like? Do you think we've got enough to at least limp back to the nearest Confederate outpost? Jesus, Captain, I mean, you're asking me about mustard while former President Nixon is lying there all dead. I'd expect just a little respect for a man, I mean, for an android, that meant so much to you at one time. You're right, Mr. Ned. We should have some kind of proper space funeral for him. We can all assemble in the torpedo bay. Mr. Welsh can play some unspeakable noise on his bag of pipes. I'll say a few appropriate words, and then we can plunk the cadaver into a torpedo case and shoot him into the moon. I see just which moon are we talking about now. I see not my charming everlasting Europa. Don't look now, but the Nixon android is getting up and walking towards the space sink. Well, I have to say, that's the first time I've ever seen a dead electric president wash his space trousers in a lavatory sink. Of course! He's an android! That mustard vampire couldn't suck anything out of his corpuscles. He doesn't have any blood, only deuteronium-based lubricating fluids. Actually, I do carry a reserve supply of mustard near one of my aft ports. I keep it for impromptu ball games and unannounced picnics and the like. I was forced to evacuate that supply when I was attacked, and in doing so I contaminated my space pants. But it was a sacrifice I made gladly in order to save others. It can be said that some may try to suck the mustard out of you, but they only succeed when they force you to eject the mustard out of yourself, and then you destroy your trousers. <laughs> that is so true. Well, I guess we can all go back to the bridge now and get the ship back on schedule. Mr. Ned, give the order to disembark. You want me to do that from the bathroom? It wouldn't be the first time, that's for darn sure. <laughs>
<laughs> Big Green must be written in Spaceman. <laughs> what Matt is trying to communicate is that he believes that the new Big Green logo should be written in Spaceman. If Big Green was written in space, man. <laughs> Good evening. Yes, we seem to be starting a little stranger than usual. Yes, quite. That's because we've had kind of a strange month, I'd say. Yes. We wanted to do something extra special this month, which yes. would include letting you all in on how we put together a podcast. Yes, now let's see. Some might think that we don't take any time or care at all. Now, where's that piece of paper? We use a piece of paper. <laughs> and a pen. A stinking piece of paper. <laughs> What's on that stinking piece of paper? We actually write a few things down. Well, Joe did. Yes. Um, trying to figure out what songs to play this time around. And yeah, since we didn't record any songs special, because with our allotment of two hours a week to work on the <laughs> podcast, we've been using it to mix Rick Perry's upcoming album, Pretty Album. Yes, because God knows. He Rick needs can't be expected help. to do it himself. Listen, he's got a big job there in Texas, Joe. One of the biggest jobs in the country. He's got a big state to run. Running the biggest state except for Alaska. Here's the special message in advance of the release of our album. Oh Cowboy boy, Scat. oh boy, 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 oh boy. <laughs> Cowboy Scat. Songs in the key of Rick. Yeah. Don't tell Rick. Oh, you <laughs> kill us. Don't tell Rick about this. Don't tell Rick about this. Don't tell him where we are. He'll turn us into a toad. <laughs> he turned us into a toad. Just don't tell Rick. No, really, don't tell Rick. Don't no, tell please. Him. Don't tell no, Rick. don't. He's got guns and stuff. He's got guns. He's got guns. He knows the Nuge. <laughs> <laughs> He's friends with the Nuge. <laughs> He'll send us to the Motor City to meet the madman. The new just already mad at us for ripping off Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rewriting it every five minutes. <laughs> and living it. Uh, okay, Joe, so what do you have written on that piece of paper? Well, usually at about this time of the month, if we're um, if we're, <laughs> we're on schedule, um, we start writing down things to speak about in the extemporaneous <laughs> section of the web. Of the web podcast, um, the web-based podcast that we do send out every month. Do, do. Um, there's, of course, the scripted and carefully carefully rehearsed <laughs> yes. episode of Ned Trek that we bring to you. Which we're proud to say is as long as a real episode of Star Trek this week. Sorry about that. We finally, yes, yeah, so we finally achieved that milestone. <laughs> In fact, we may have surpassed that milestone. Thanks to a raft of editors yes. that sank, so I had to edit, which means that it wasn't really edited. 
It was lost on Lake Tahoe. <laughs> the original like everything else was, we do. <laughs> was lost on Lake Tahoe. We had to replace <laughs> it. to stop giving everything to that guy. I know. Who vacations at Lake Tahoe. I know. It's a mistake. Either that or at least... You know, I've been to Lake Tahoe. I know you have, Joe. I waited in the lake with, a, with a bottle of wine in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And a cracker. And a cracker in the other. <laughs> How many hands? <laughs> You're like uh, Captain Murdoch there. That's right. Keep sending up pans to change the topsails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I ran out of hands. Wait in the water, wait in the water, children, wait. Who is this Wade? Did you find him in the water? Get him out of the water. Tell the, tell the lifeguard I'm drowning. <laughs> tell him right okay. away. All right. That surpasses the boundaries. Bad taste. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and and your problem with that is <laughs> Jesus. Are you thinking about Jesus, Joe? Okay, so what's on your piece of paper? Hey, jazz man, what's on your piece of paper? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, we start every episode, um, planning for every episode with a piece of paper, blank piece of paper. <laughs> And we start writing things down on it, somewhat at random at first. It's kind of like a brainstorming session. We just write down everything that comes to mind, and then we edit it down later. It's like thunder brain snow. Yes. It's thunder brain grease slapper. It's, uh, yeah. It's, so we start writing down song names and names of people who died. Who died this month? I freaking don't know. Well, you know what? We have the magic of the internet here. Oh, we do? Yes. Oh, I didn't know you were connected. I'm connected. I thought you were going to leave it on there because I'm you're totally going to play that thing so you can do that other thing. I have multiple tabs thing. open, Matt. Well, that's a Welcome beast. to the 1990s. <laughs> 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 well, you're from the future, Joe. <laughs> you're from the future, Captain. <laughs> uh, and that part where we're quiet for about 15 minutes? Let's see. So, uh, this is Joe is like surfing the internet now, so I guess I'm supposed to talk or something while he's doing this Badinsky thing that he does. Well, Please. perhaps I should tell you a story. I'll tell you a little story. A very small one. I was, uh, I had to do a stupid presentation last week on nature, and, uh, <laughs> they introduced me... <laughs> <laughs> like the introduction went on and on. I was like, with all my wonderful accomplishments, it was really quite embarrassing. And I thought, what the? I felt like I'm not sure if you've ever seen the episode of Star Trek where the court martial one, where where uh, they're playing like a oh, little, absolutely, they're playing a tape. Well, I know you've seen it. I've seen it a million times. I've seen it too often. Well, they're playing a tape of that mentions all Captain Kirk's. Awards, and <laughs> medal of honor, medal of honor, <laughs> award of valor. Yes, it sounded like that to me as they're like reading off this huge row of thrice decorated by <laughs> Star, Starfleet I, surgeons. <laughs> no, that was <laughs> decorated by Starfleet surgeons by mistake, and then they took those decorations away and gave it to a real doctor. <laughs> they actually carved him up. <laughs> 
and yeah. called it a decoration. So I was thinking about uh, supplying. When I speak the next time, I'll supply them with Captain Kirk's uh, credentials as opposed to my own, so I can hear them read that. <laughs> we'll just borrow Captain Kirk's um, credentials because, because they're much suf- more impressive. I'm suffering under the delusion that I am Captain Kirk. <laughs> the paranoia has been developing over the past 40 years. He thinks that he's Captain Kirk. You know how I am. <sighs> Uh, Joe, we're turning into a Star Trek podcast. I hope very, you know. That's not very good. Very geekish. That's it's not, not good, good, Joe. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good. You can tell how much time we wasted. Okay. Did you find Well, what? yes. Um, Ed Koch actually died this past month. Oh, um, Yes. Ed Koch, I, former I, mayor of... Out of respect for him, I won't say the nickname that I used to use for. <laughs> Red Crotch. Oh, man. <laughs> I was whispering it. It's true. Yeah, well, it was kind of well-deserved. It, it's really, yeah, uh, you know, he was a pain in the he butt. He was red. He was a pain and not in a good way. Yeah, I know. He was a triangulator. Yeah. yeah. Big time. You know. Yeah. Just because somebody falls off the twig, Joe, <laughs> doesn't mean you have to rake it into a pile of Jesus. <laughs> I think that's how that saying goes. <laughs> yeah. I do remember it going that way, yes. <laughs> Rake it into a pile of Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so who else died? Enough said. Um, Did you have anything else to say about Mr. Red? I mean, Ed? Nobody that I recognize. <laughs> Mr. Oh, what? Do you have a whole list of dead people? I forgot what you were doing. Yes, there's a whole list of dead people from the last few months, but in the last month or so, it's really only been Ed Koch and... We never did talk about Jack Klugman. No, Jack Klugman never made it to a to our uh, podcast. Yeah. yeah, we're always kind of irritated at him for that party played in the Twilight Zone where he kept saying, Pip! Pip! Yeah. Huh? yeah. So that was like the pool playing one, or is that... Oh, I forgot which yeah. one it was. I don't know. I'm not sure. Our podcast is terrible, Joe. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, let's okay, uh, let's well, interrupt we could it. Let's dispose of the dead people. Okay. okay, they'll go away. They'll go away now. Uh, Bury we, them, Joe. Why don't we play Bury a song? Them. Let's play a song. Well, we didn't decide what songs we're playing yet. Well, this is how we decide. We look at a piece of paper and we. I thought we were going to actually go through some of the songs with the people to show them how we do this. So why don't we just play a little bit? What made you think of that? Play little bits of songs until we decide which one that we're actually going to play for them. Well, there's it's a whole new approach, Joe. That's a ridiculous approach. Yeah, probably. Well, you could mention some of their names, and we could say, "Hey, maybe we should play that one." And you'll say, "No, I don't want to play that one. That sounds terrible." Well, maybe we should play Asteroid. Do you mean that the the one from? International House or the... Yes, the asteroid from International House. Because, after all, there what was happened this month? So Not only was there an asteroid... Oh, there was a meteor, Joe. And what is that? Why do they always hit Siberia? What the hell is it with that? Because Siberia is so big, the chances are... <laughs> <laughs> the chances are well, it's not as it. big as the Pacific Ocean, Joe. Yes, but there aren't as many people in the Pacific Ocean. So... <laughs> meteors crash there and people but don't But do notice. meteors have to hit places that are populated? No, but they're only seen when they do. Get it? Yeah. 
but that's not if necessarily it, true. If it hits in the middle of the ocean, then well, you only see when it comes times down. Don't see you it. might see it in the air. I'm making it all up. I figured you were. <laughs> I'm using logic on you. Um, yes, there was a there was a meteor. Um, <laughs> I don't know if anyone noticed. Um, I think probably the most interesting part of that was all those dash cam videos that that yeah I know. they played even as as kind of an illustration of how much people in Russia use dash cam. Yeah. Video. I mean, for insurance purposes. Because there's lots and of crime. There's a lot of. <laughs> a lot of very strange crazy stuff, stuff going, going on, on, on the road over there. But yeah, and they seemed very nonplussed by the media. <laughs> yeah, I know. and I, I could see that. why. I could see why. Um, yeah, because it's, it's probably the, it's, it's probably the least there. scary thing they've seen all day. So, Look out! It's Putin. Putin. It's Putin. Rootin' tootin' Putin. Anyway, um, so th- there was a meteor, and there was also an asteroid. Yes, the asteroid. Could have been a problem. Yes. A mere 15 minutes deviation. Dan and 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 our second album. Which is a song and a half song. Care to say anything about it? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll say a little bit about it. Asteroid is kind of more about... It's an environmental song. Which kind of uh, compares the damage of a major asteroid. Something like what, what hit, you know around 65 million years ago, the asteroid that is blamed for wiping out the dinosaurs. Uh, that dinosaurs. cataclysmic asteroid and how what people are doing to the environment is very similar to an asteroid impact and how we may be causing the sixth uh, great extinction in the history of the Earth. Yes. So... That's yes. what that song is really about. On an environmental theme, as many of Matt's numbers <laughs> seem to be. Yes. Well, actually, That's not correct. so many. <laughs> yeah. I think I have more Rick Perry songs than that. I think this is actually the first song that we mixed from this album. Yeah. And we yeah, kind of yeah, like lived, the first mix that we lived with. Yeah. But this album took us five years to make. <laughs> That's because, as usual, we work full time, more than full time regular jobs. So, yes, and everything that could go wrong. Joe does. I don't know what the hell he does. He's just gone for a while, and then he comes back home. Nobody knows what he does. No one has ever asked. Nobody knows. Nobody cares. And I work out in a field somewhere. That's right. And it's seven days a week. Matt's outstanding in his field. <laughs> I, I should be there now, actually. Don't tell him I'm not there right now. <laughs> Don't tell Rick. <laughs> Don't cares. tell Rick either. He cares. Okay, so are we playing Asteroid? Yes. Let's hear it. And then, 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 then. Here it comes. <laughs> Baby, you're an asteroid. You've come up from the swarm. Baby, you're an asteroid. Oh, my God. 
That's over now. That's one of my favorite cuts off of that album. Really? Yes. Uh, I like it. It's a little bit wiggly, but that's because we didn't really have a band. It was a wiggly <laughs> album. Well, like we started with songs. a band. <laughs> we started it with it's a band. It's two then... people pretending they're in a band. <laughs> well, we st- we started that album with a band, and then <laughs> well, no, we started the album decayed. with us and with John playing drums. <laughs> And then yeah. we ended it like two songs in. It was just us <laughs> <laughs> playing playing cardboard boxes for drums. <laughs> and I mean, it was all different bands that played the Rick Perry songs, but some of it kind of sounds like us playing cardboard boxes again. Yes. Yeah. Oh, oh my God! Look, Joe, there's Maybe. a picture of a cardboard box coming up. Just as I said that. Just as you said. Joe that. has a screensaver going on his computer and. Yes. Well, there's a cardboard box with a cat tail sticking out of it. Now there's two birds. Now there's two birds, Joe. Let us say they seem like there's all kinds of pictures, Joe. The next thing you'd see would be another box with a tail, except this time the tail would be the piggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. not like you're used to ah yeah, well that's pretty good still <laughs> so what else do we have to do here well let me tell you are we going to choose some more songs some songs that these people may not have heard songs that you may not have heard well songs they may have heard but not from the last album <laughs> because that's boring you can just play the stupid album can't you that's totally boring. <laughs> I was going to... Uh, God knows, most of the people listening to this probably heard the frickin' album. I just wanted to bring up one small thing. You're not going to throw up, are you? Technological... No. Certain technological phenomenon that I've noticed of late. Um, it's nothing new. But uh, YouTube has this closed caption, automatic captioning software that works on uh, video. And you can All right. you can close caption and I thought, hey, this is great. Instead of sending up a transcript, I could just press this button and suddenly it'll 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 copy everything that's said and you know will make it closed caption and you know completely accessible. And I pressed the little button several times on several videos and it comes up with the most hilarious transcripts. <laughs> oh boy. Just to give an example. We have a little video uh, on our website that's that's kind of a greeting from a couple of years ago, a Christmas greeting. And it goes something like this. The dialogue goes something like this. Dun, 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 dun. 
A brief message from Big Green. What the hell? I've got mail. Guess I better read it. A happy new year! Written in Spaceman. What? People are stoning me! Welcome to Big Green. Yes, here we are in the depths of the Cheney Hammer Mill basement. This is my keyboard station. Translate that. This is our workstation. You can see this slow scan going by on the antiquated cathode ray tube. This is where Johnny White sits. And he's playing the drums. That's where Marvin, my personal robot assistant, sits. Okay, Marvin, could you lower the lights a little bit, please? No, the other now. The other slider, the one on the wall, not the... Okay, well, that gives you some idea. (laughs) Gets even more random after that. Here is the transcript. Press a button and hey presto, you get a perfect transcript. Transcript begins. What the hell? Hired Admiral. Consider it having care threat. People are starting to be welcome to degree. This area and the depths of the Cheney Hammer Mill, it actually got Cheney Hammer Mill right. I thought that was pretty good. Basement. This is my keyboard station middleware dot. Uh, about that system. <laughs> Literally, uh. Now, it's a transcript that has, like, has, like, sequential, like, sort of time code written on it. One of the time code readings is, uh. And then after that, about that system works, so if you can see a slow speed and very moment, antiquated Castle Green 2. Wow. Yes. This is reviewing, or it's it's mean-spirited. Means German personal assistant. Stats, apparently too little, it's little bit, please. No, the other night, the other side of the form of walnut. Now the other one, <laughs> Stallone. Some additional sporting guitar as needed. Mrs. It all comes down to doesn't care about this is really all scripts. That's pretty good. I like the walnut and Stallone in there. Yeah, I like it. That part gets kind of poetic, so. Now the other night. The other side of the form of walnut. Now the other one. Stallone. Some additional sporting guitar. Means German personal assistant. Stats, apparently, too little. It's little bit, please. Yeah, that is, that's pretty good. That's brilliant. Mrs., it all comes down. Doesn't care about this. Is really all scripts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. that sounds... I can dig that. I dig that. Regional phone. Yeah. Is the world it this week. Perfect, it's off. Play that's all, Sprite. <laughs> Evaluation. Are you mind and incoherence? You about that constitution? <laughs> now, now, I know I said some strange things in there. But nothing nearly this strange. <laughs> you should read that back into that machine, Joe, and see if it comes up right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know. I know. I should like make a YouTube video where I actually read this script and mm-hmm. see if the transcript comes out. I wonder if it'll come out saying exactly what I said. <laughs> I know. That's all right. That's the test. If it did, then you got nothing to complain or about. We'll say, error, 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 error. Yeah, it'll blow up. And you'll hear kind of cartoon noises. Yes. Cartoon springy noises. Cartoon springy noises. Blowing up. It would not be good. Uh, it would not be good. Okay. So did we get any email? Um. Well, no. <laughs> On the last podcast, I think... Uh, I heard a comment or two. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, let's hear them. <laughs> I didn't bring it with me as usual because I always forget. But um, somebody said that that one of the characters, I think it was Mr. Pearl, when he was in the alternate universe, uh, he sounded a little bit like um, Bing Crosby. <laughs> Can't get enough sip of sugar, Chris. That kind of, you know. So I agreed. And I could see why. He did sound a little uh, sugar bear. Yeah, it sounded like the sugar bear. Sugar bear. But I'm um, trying to think what the other comment was. I can't remember. I should have brought it with me. Let's see if I I'll remember any. next month. Let's I see if have really any comments here. Let's see. Okay. Wow, this sounds like our transcript <laughs> from YouTube. Face cost, and this <laughs> service's finest secure that two-way organization. And <laughs> what? <laughs> it's just one of those spam messages. Oh, okay. Yeah, they just put a bunch of random words. In so there. that's what's that's what we have for a response. All that yes. work, good grief! All that work, good grief! Robo pontiff. <laughs> no, that's my hey. latest that's my latest post oh are we going to get a robot pontiff this time possibly that's right the pope's gonna resign joe i hear marvin's in line pope only has marvin my personal and robot assistant is in line he'll to be, be the first he'll be marvin the first marvin the first marvin the first marvin i don't marvin. think they'd have a pope called marvin a pope called marvin that's a good name for a movie. A Pope Called Marvin. So what's the next song we're going to play? I don't know. Do you want to go through some live on the air? We'll kind of try and choose among the the buggery there. <laughs> the buggery. The buggery list. The buggery list. Let's see. Uh, we've got some demos. Yeah. Play one at random, Joe. Surprises. Let's see here. Uh, we won't play the whole thing, seeing as though we might be playing it for you, people. Yes, that wouldn't be so good. So we'll just play like a 20 seconds of it or something. Hey, you good old boys, roundups coming soon with a hunter's I would that's, play that. That's Sean. all you got. Sean. That's all you got. Oh. <laughs> you can play that whole one, Joe. That's a song that never made it onto International House. 
Yeah, we didn't finish a few of the songs, but the album was long enough. The album was long. Yeah, it was 16 songs. Yeah, I think we didn't finish four or something. I think at least three, if yeah, not four. Three songs, yeah. four songs. Yeah. One of mine, which was very strange. Left some on the table. Left some on the table. Well, we'll play one of these. Uh, we'll play one of these demos. Maybe we'll play a song. Um, I'll choose we, another one. Well, I'll just play it. I'll play it. What? I'll put it. What? I'll put it into the what? podcast so that people can what? hear it. What? What? Okay, very well. Okay, here it goes. This is called Say You Will. This is going to be on the International House album and never made it because we were too lazy to finish it. No, it's just... I was busy shaving. I was busy shaving. And this is the demo for it. Shaving off mites. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) And earwigs. Oh, man! Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Here it goes. Anyway, here it is.
that's over now too that was bone rattlingly strange uh, you know you gotta say you gotta say something you do have to say something somehow what happened to you this month um what happened to your face <laughs> <laughs> sounds like look at his face <laughs> yeah 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 it sounds a bit like our uh our Ned Drek Joe. Yeah, anything new at the farm? Um, yeah, a few different things happened. You had kind of some uh, beaver colony issues. Yeah, did we month. talk about that last month? Because that's been more than a month ago that that happened. Uh, the beaver dam at their current pond broke. And so that was a bit of an issue. That doesn't usually happen in winter because the beavers store their what's called their food cache. It's a supply of food that they draw upon. They keep underwater so it stays fresh and accessible even if you get a buildup of ice on the pond, which doesn't happen in winter. But when the dam breaks, that means there's no longer... Uh, it's like the refrigeration goes away, right? Well, it's not so much that. It's just their ability to access it safely and easily is right. all of a sudden gone. So they actually have not even gone over there. Oh they God. did some work on that dam, but they, they moved upstream to a different pond, which is still relatively intact. Although the the lodge that they're living in, beavers live in what is called a lodge. There's like a big heap of mud and sticks, which they hollow out at the bottom. There has several entrances, which are all underwater, so uh, beavers can actually, in normal circumstances, they can... Uh, go under those even in the dead of winter they could uh, go out of their underwater entrances and draw on their food reserves even if the pond is covered with ice hmm. but our beavers can't do that right now um, because they don't have their food cache however i have been bringing food to them so and luckily the pond that they're in tends to stay open in one area where the stream flows into it so i'm able to um, branches in there for them and they've been appreciating so, that so they're getting along okay yeah relatively i saw several of them today as a matter of fact before oh, good. before the end of the day and uh i've been cutting holes in the ice too and i give them some apples and stuff matt friend to beavers friend to beavers <laughs> friend to and beavers. the fisher has been around lately too which is kind of a cool animal it's uh it's like a large weasel yeah it's a weasel. <laughs> it's a weasel. And he runs around the place, and they're carnivorous, unlike beavers, which are complete herbivores. Uh, fishers are very strict carnivores, just like most of the members of the weasel family. Interesting. Like you, Joe. You're a member of the weasel family. <laughs> yes, quite so. Amazing animals. I finally actually got some... Uh, video footage of one for the first time. Oh. Uh, I, I have that trail camera, which I told you about, which I use, and I set it in, I guess, the right place by chance, and the fisher went by it. He actually stopped and kind of rubbed his long body on <laughs> snowy log, This was kind of cool. There's been a lot of predators around up there lately, too. There's been a lot of tracks of uh, foxes and coyotes. Really? I saw a fox uh, in our backyard. 
Yeah, I heard about today. that. Yeah, I heard about it was that. last night. It was it was about probably like ten or eleven o'clock at night, and he went prancing by, and uh, had a lot of gray on it. So that's probably a gray fox, as I think opposed so. to the red fox. He went by really fast. I mean, I was I looked and I'm used to seeing cats and sometimes dogs walking through their backyard. And monkeys, and monkeys, and uh, and you know how you when you see something you expect to see something else that your your mind kind of tries to turn it into something else. And it took me a while to well, it was you realized it was a mastodon. It's a dog. It's a dog. You know, it's it's it, a fox. It's uh, and he was in a hurry. He was. In yeah, um, I get a lot of fox action, both at my house and up at the farm. But there's been so much tracks. It's really amazing to see how many tracks there are. There must be a lot of mice this year, is all I can figure. And they're all... Keeps them busy. Of course, the dogs are omnivores, so they eat both you know, vegetable material as well as, as well as living animals. That's true. So... Ish. My gray foxes used to eat peanuts, so I'd see peanuts. Them actually jumping on the bird feeders and eating peanuts. Peanuts. Great show. And what's new in your little world? Oh, not much. Not much. Just working on Rick's album. Oh, good. Yes. How's I, that going then? It's well. I'm gluing it together as we speak. Yeah. Hammering oh, out each disc individually, drawing ding, pictures ding, on them, ding. all the while hiding, so that Rick doesn't notice. Yeah, he's gonna be real sore. He's gonna be ornery. He's gonna be sore at you. Yes, we should play another song. Okay, what do you want to play this time? Do you want to? How about that? Uh, how about that uh, song known as "Beautiful Grid." Okay, haven't heard that in a while. That's a weird one. Yes. Not the best recording in the world, but it's, you know, it's weird. It's, ah. Uh, we'll redo it someday. Yes. Care to say anything about the subject matter? <laughs> God, it's too long ago, Joe. It's too long ago. I had no friggin' idea what I was talking about in that. It's like it was yesterday. It has the here I come to save the day. No. Bling, 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 bling. Yes. Well, anyway. I think that was kind of imposed on it, though. Yes, by a good friend. Tony. <laughs> a good friend, Ace. Tony Butera. Anywho. Beautiful Grid. Featuring Big Green. Tony <laughs>
Boy, it was good to hear that again. Well, that was super fantastic. That was that was inspirational. Ish. Well, <laughs> it's about that time. <laughs> it's about that time, and I know you people have listened to f- at least fifty minutes of Netrek Six. We didn't talk about any <laughs> politics at all. Yeah, that's right. It's fifty minute episode. Oh dear. Well, I do have a few things to say about politics. Okay, well, I wanted to say it really fast, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Are you talking about politics? <laughs> about the sequester, Matt. Yeah? It's about the sequester. It's about the sequester. <laughs> Uncle Fester the sequester. It's another manufactured crisis. Don't say it's not so, Joe. Yes. Say it ain't so. It's so. What do you mean, Joe? Mofos. What do you mean? Those mofos. They're going to keep crashing the economy every three three months. Into the toilet. Yeah. That's about the only good thing I could say about it is that it's going to like shut down everything terrible that they're doing. I know. <laughs> I mean, the more they describe it, it's kind of like, you know, that's probably, okay. Well, that wouldn't be so bad. It's like we can't put any we can't put any aircraft carriers out there. Well, that's not so bad. <laughs> and oh, we can't. <laughs> if it weren't for all the the like. Poverty-related programs yeah. that are going to get starved and all the, the people that are going to be thrown out of work, I half wouldn't mind it. But, I mean, it's the only way you'd ever see the military cut in any reasonable way. As that's if they right. forced it. Because they won't. It's a, it's a stimulus package. Well, I think that's the that's how come it's not going to happen. It's because they don't want that. We'll see. They don't want that military budget to be cut. Because I always think... It's the most important thing to them. I always think, well, the Republicans won't do this, but they, you know, then they always do what I think they won't do. There's there's no degree to which they won't muck up the works. They're the poison in the mud that keeps hatching out. That's right. But, yeah. Even in a little wind... Blows. Yeah, it blows Someone's all right. Good. It blows all right. <laughs> we won't be able to keep. <laughs> won't be able to keep the F fifteen in the air. We won't be able to fly any drones. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like you guys better stop talking before I start thinking this is a good idea. <laughs> have the guy. I can imagine the cartoon. It could be like an old style Doonesbury cartoon. It's like, oh, they won't be able to have any F 16s. Oh, there won't be any drones. And then they leave, and it's just Zonker sitting in the last, <laughs> like the last frame, and saying to himself, bummer. <laughs> now you're going to fail for sure. <laughs> that was the one joe should have known you'd know it oh yes okay so this is us going now yes we have to go back to work on rick's record it's time for us to go it's time for us to go it's time for us it's time for us it's time for us to go it's time for us to go it's time for us to go. It's time for us. It's time for us. It's time for us to go. It's time for us to go. Go, 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 go. 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 We have gone. We have gone. 
There's a little bit of us coming. Get a Tom Waits kind of thing. Okay. Alrighty then. Thank <laughs> you.